we're beginning a new sermon series just before I go off just six weeks uh, of looking at a particular subject as for many years now the church of Jesus Christ has become obsessed with one particular area um, and it has a positive effect on the church but also a negative effect on the church as well and it's this area of leadership uh, church leadership we only have to see in the news last week um, how uh, decisions that some churches have made uh, regarding using their premises for same-sex marriages makes us realise that a lot of churches really aren't being led in the, the correct way, the, the right way, the, the biblical way. Uh, and so a few weeks ago I'd been challenged about this because often we only ever talk about leadership if we're talking to leaders. And um, to be honest with you, my own personal journey is uh, for years we went to conferences and heard about leadership and listened to tapes and heard about leadership and read books on leadership and I just got fed up with it to be honest because a lot of the Christian teaching and books and podcasts they brought us management techniques they brought us church growth strategies uh, you could even get your your personality tested to see where you fit in with church and who you could work well with in church and all of this was done to, in an attempt to help us become more effective I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in the sense of the, the sort of say all of it was rubbish, all of it was no good, but because there were some good things that were helpful because as a church we, we should want to become better, we should want to grow as disciples, we should want to become mature. Uh, but the challenge that I feel and why I'm addressing this is often we are exchanging what is happening in culture today uh, for the way we should lead in the church. We are exchanging biblical teaching often for techniques and principles at times. Uh, and so this concern then is obvious because we're moving away really from the biblical teaching of, of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was not only the most effective leader that ever lived, but he, he was the most excellent, the perfect leader that ever lived. But actually he led in a style that sometimes would be a little bit far away from what we see sometimes in churches today. So my summer series this year is simply is entitled, well, Lead Like Jesus or Leading as Jesus Led. Now, before you sit there this morning and say, well, man, I, I'm not a leader. Uh, you know, what can I learn from this? Uh, well, I'm approaching it from this point now, that leadership happens any time we influence the thinking, the behavior, and the development of another. Whereas the church needs to be an influence the culture, the society that we live in. We won't do that by blending in and being the same as the culture that we live in. He says we're called to change the culture. We're called to, to stand up and to stand out and not necessarily to blend in. So leadership happens anytime we influence the thinking, behavior and development of another. If you just stop for a second and thought about somebody who had influenced you in your life, uh, you know, could have been a, a school teacher, could have been uh, a pastor, could have been a, a sports team manager, could have been somebody who just took a moment, just took some time to try and influence you. It makes us realize that actually most influence doesn't happen because we give somebody the title or the position. Um, you know, the greatest influence, the, the, the greatest influential position most people can be in if you're a parent is the influence you have over your children. What you children do uh, well you know and, and that influence there so if you're a parent you have influence 
You know, if you sit down and invite somebody out for coffee uh, because you want to find out how they're doing, uh, you want to find out sort of what's going on in their life, you want to encourage them. That, that's a position of influence. Um, if you're in a small group, if you're, if you're texting somebody, there are so many different things that we do that influence each other. And, and really, Jesus is the greatest example of this because influence was so key in what he did in his journey from the beginning of his ministry till after the cross went before he ascended to heaven and what's made me realize is this is uh, you can give people titles and positions but that doesn't change the influence that people can have you know Jesus demonstrated the power of influence he, he picked 12 men to influence over three years uh, and it got me to thinking always, I look at this, you know, when Jesus arrived, uh, I, I knew he was going out of ministry. He could have gone to the, the Jerusalem Bible School and picked out and asked for the, the, the 12 top students because they would have been the best people to, to sort of share his influence with, to influence them. But he doesn't do that. He's walking along by a lake one day and he sees two fishermen. He says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, immediately gives him purpose and he sees his influencer. The tax collector sitting there and Jesus says the same thing. He says, come and follow me. He gets up and he follows him. And everybody's there at the time looking. He says, how did they pick these? One, they were young and two, they had no formal training and all of this. But Jesus understood the power of influence. And for us to understand that, we've got to look at some of the stories, as we will, over the six weeks uh, of what Jesus did and how that impacts uh, us. And so the first story, which is key to what Jesus does, is found in Matthew 20, verse 20 to 28. It says, then the mother of of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with the sons and kneeling down asked a favour of him what is it you want he asked grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom you don't know what you're asking Jesus said to them can you drink the cup I am going to drink we can they answered Jesus said to them you will indeed drink from my cup but to sit at my right hand, right or left it is not for me to grant these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father when the ten heard about this they were indignant with the two brothers Jesus called them together and said you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them not so with you instead whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This story is recorded in three of the Gospels because it tells us a truth about the purpose of Jesus and the mission of why he came to earth, but also his understanding of leadership. If you read the story in Mark 10, we are told that it was James and John that asked the question, but in this story, it was their mother. Uh, and the, the, yeah, as, as we know, because if your mother and fathers do this as well, it says whenever there's an opening or a position or, or, or you feel your child is the best at something, then you, you want to get in there and you want to make sure they get the prime position because there's an opening here. There's a position on the right and there's a position on the left. So, so James and John's mom thinks, well, this is a time for me to strike. 
This is the time for me to get in there with Jesus and say, here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask and, and in a sense, see if he'll give those positions to you. And sitting on the right and sitting on the left uh, suggested this close proximity and importance to the king. While the disciples were here on earth, they, they, they kept making, um, they were not only learning and developing, they were not only understanding this is how Jesus led, but they were also making a huge amount of mistakes as well that Jesus wanted to teach them from. And this story is one of them because it tells us the first problem is two of them were pushing for position. And then it tells us this, that actually the other 10 were indignant. And in the modern day language, I can see it like this, that the other 10 were actually thinking, why didn't we think of that first? Why didn't we go to Jesus first and say, if there's an opening in heaven on the right and the left, why are we not sitting there? Because for the disciples, uh, their picture of leadership was one of hierarchy. Their picture of leadership was one of position, that the closer they got, in a sense, to the throne, the closer they got to the king, the more important that they would feel. And leadership is never about making the leader feel important. And Jesus is trying to teach them this in this particular situation. He says, because it's not about hierarchy. James and John's mother thought it was about hierarchy. It was about getting into the right position. You see, their desire for position shows the problem that simply existed then, but it also exists now. That actually what people want above all else is, is position of leadership without understanding the function of leadership or the purpose of leadership as Jesus teaches it here in the gospel. You see, there are still two things that dominate today's leadership style within churches. The first is this, and we see it in this story, it's that self-promotion. James and John's mom simply pick my two sons, put them in that position. It's that promotion, that self-promotion. And the second one is that self-protection, that fear. What happens if somebody is better than you? What happens if somebody is better than them or Jesus picks somebody else to sit in that position? And so Jesus wants to teach them a lesson about leadership and he wants to teach them this lesson through the idea of influence uh, that they didn't need to worry about being proud and they didn't need to worry about fear he simply confronts the world's concept that actually the greatness in the kingdom of God or significance in the kingdom of God is never marked by hierarchy it's never marked by those who think they are the leaders and those who think that if I can just get close enough to Jesus because this is what this was about and Jesus never about that but Jesus teaches them this lesson you see there's a background to this story though because Jesus had mentioned earlier in the previous chapter he said he said truly I tell you at the renewal of all things when the son of man sits on his glorious throne you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel so Jesus has said that in the previous chapter so actually their place was secure already because Jesus already said that there's 12 places, but they weren't interested in any old place. They were interested in the place that was the left and right of Jesus. And that's why Jesus challenges them. 
And you see, in also the background to this, there'd been a discussion or an argument because Mark 9, verse 33 to 34 tells us this. It says, they came to Capernaum and it says, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had been arguing about who was the greatest. I mean, imagine this, that they are spending three years with Jesus, the Son of God, going around to minister with people. And the 12 of them really are arguing, well, I'm better than you are. It'll pick me more before it pick you. It's about what I can do. It's not necessarily about what you can do. And Jesus has got this huge challenge here because he's got these 12 people and he's simply coming and he's like, hold on a second, you know, you're missing the point of what this is about. I mean, Jesus is taking these people on an incredible journey from follow me and I will make you fishers of men till go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, he's got three years to do it. He's three years at that time to mould and influence these young men uh, to do what he is calling them to do after he's gone. And so this is one of the challenging lessons that he gives them because actually the other ten are jealous, but Jesus says these words and it changes the way we think about it because he just says this phrase. He says, not so with you. And when Jesus says that, it means there is about to become a different way of thinking. There's about to become a different way of doing everything. Uh, he mentions the Gentiles lording it over people and the authority that they have because people often saw leadership as you'll do what I tell you to do. And if you don't do what I tell you to do, then you'll be punished for not doing what I tell you to do. And Jesus is saying this, this exercising of the authority, the lordship, Jesus is coming with a new way here. Uh, and so Jesus comes with this response in a sense that simply says, this is how you lead. Because the only approach to leadership that Jesus ever teaches, and we will look at this in more detail, is this idea, that this, this, this thought of servant leadership. And he says it in the verse, doesn't he? He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, this is an incredible thought that Jesus is talking about because slaves, as he mentions there in the previous verse, in, in, in that particular culture, in that particular, excuse me, in that particular time, excuse me, in that particular time, I mean, slaves were absolutely worthless. I mean, they had no importance or they had no standing at all in society and in culture. And then Jesus comes and he says to the, to the disciples, he said, well, first you must become a slave. What? A slave? Not me, no. He says, my position is at the right and the left of you, Jesus. And if not there, then it's on one of the other thrones. But Jesus uses the example. He said, listen, I've come not to be served, but to serve. And in that, he gives his life purpose, to give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, and he says this as he's teaching this lesson, because this response tells us about how he leads and how we should lead. You see, Jesus' leadership style must be effective because the church still exists today. I mean, John Altberg said this in a sermon I was listening to. Uh, he said this, he said, at that particular point in time, 
And we're not talking about betting and gambling or anything like that. We're looking at history and we're saying, who would you have put your money on? This, 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 this person, Jesus Christ, who's going around preaching with a few followers, which is all he had, or the Roman Empire, who would you have said would be the one that would last? Who would you say would be the one that would be most effective in their influence that would still be around today? Because there are kingdoms that have come and gone, uh, and there are, there, there are people that have come and gone, and leaders that have come and gone, but Jesus Christ still remains the same. His church is still here today. It's still effective. So the way he did it must be effective because the church still exists today. But it's not enough for us just to exist. If we're going to lead as Jesus led, we must see our responsibility as one that influences the world that we live in. Often we're put off when we talk about things like that because we talk about only going to do the big things, the major things, the things that may be involved standing up in front of hundreds of people, yet we're not called to do that. That's only just a little part of the calling. We're called to influence our world, our family, our friends, our work colleagues, our schoolmates, everybody that we come across. He says, I, 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 like most of you, would be on social media uh, and like to post uh, things on social media. Social media is an amazing tool. It's a pain as well sometimes, you know, because, you know, sort of it's very instant with everything it does. So if you fall out with anybody, you know, you can post it there and then. Or if you have any embarrassing photos, you don't have to take the film down to Boots, wait six days to get the photos back, that sort of thing, like you did in the old days and stuff. So everything's very instant. But there is a power of influence in social media. And I'm just using this as an example. A lot of times for Christians, I can tell you for believers where their favourite coffee shop is, what they like to eat. But I can't tell you anything about where their influence is as believers. I'm just saying, oh, that's a challenge. Well, it's supposed to be a challenge because it's a world that we're living in. And the influence that we have means that actually we're to influence the culture around us, not let the culture influence us as a church. Because the danger that we're going down as a church and decisions that have been made in the past week by different churches to do the things they've done makes us realise actually we're being influenced by the world. We're being influenced by the people that say to us, actually churches should do this. And all this is, because I listened to somebody being interviewed last week and they simply said it was just so we could reach more people. Well, you will reach more people if you don't stand for the truth of the Bible. That's the reality of it. You will reach more people because you'll simply say actually to the world, well, the world, you listen, come on in. We're no different. Come on in. We don't want to stand out. We want to be like you. And so therefore you just use Christianity as we add on. Actually, no, we're not supposed to do that. We're called to influence. I said this last week. This idea that people have that Jesus is just, he just loved people. Jesus never loved people without challenging them. He says to Nicodemus, he says to him, he says, you, you must be born again. 
Uh, it's a challenge, and that's a challenge to those who would say to you, well, I was born this way, so that means I can do, I'm um, a reason for doing the things I'm doing. Uh, to the woman that was caught in adultery, he showed compassion. But what did he say to her after everybody had left? He says, go and sin no more. He says, oh, I don't know if that would have a place today in today's Christianity, because it'd be like, oh, it's just got a, you know, just a, a acceptance and inclusion and, and love. No, Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, when he goes to Zacchaeus' house, he, he says, I'm coming to your house to eat. And all the religious people are like, a tax collector, he's eating at the house of a tax collector. He eats at the house of the tax collector and Zacchaeus is so influenced by what Jesus has said to him, he comes out and he says, listen, if I've robbed any of you, he says, I'm going to give you four times back that amount. Could you imagine the Inland Revenue doing that today? <laughs> so Zacchaeus does that. He comes out and he says to the woman at the well he wasn't supposed to speak to because of the culture that he lives in. He says he influences her and shares with them and she becomes an evangelist as she runs back to the town and says to the rest of the town, come let me take you to a man who's told me everything about my life. Jesus influenced people and so we therefore must influence people as well. You see, to lead as Jesus led requires great humility and patience, extending grace regularly to others you simply have been called to influence. And he does this here as he shows them that actually, when I'm not here, because there's a time coming when he goes to the cross, they don't quite understand it yet, but there's a time coming he goes to the cross. They'll remember this. And they'll remember that style of leadership that Jesus has, which was to serve other people, which was to influence other people and the world around them. But that takes time and it requires humility and it requires patience. But Jesus is this amazing example for them and is this amazing example for us today as well. He is the one that stands in the place of guilty sinners and he offers himself as a substitute for them. Jesus Christ paid the price for you and for me. And we're in church today. And for you, this might be the first week that you're here. It, it might be the, uh, the couple of times you've been here. But, but the message that we have to say to people is this. Is Jesus Christ died on the cross for you because he loved you. Because everybody had a problem and the problem was sin. Uh, and that sin separated us from God. And there had to be something done about that. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the one that took our sin because God loved us as sinners and he went to the cross for him. He says that's simply what the ransom is. He paid the price. If somebody you love got kidnapped, they'd send a ransom note through and they would say, to get your wife back, you need to give me 50,000 pound. Now some of you are already thinking, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd pay it, I'd pay it. I'd pay more, okay? It's a ransom note. It's like, pay that price and you get it back. He says, Jesus did, there was a price to be paid. And, and, and it was paid in full. He paid the ransom because he was that. And he paid that price. And you see, I'm saying that in a sense because I want us to understand that act of servant leadership that Jesus demonstrated that influenced the whole world. 
that it's not a soft message that just blends in with everything else that goes on around us that actually that message that still changes people's lives is a message that we still have to speak today it's still a message that we still have to demonstrate today by influencing the world around us you see the primary outcome of our influence will always be sharing the love of Christ the time is nearly up but I finish with the final point when we talk about influences a measure of greatness is the kingdom is not how well we lead but how well we serve that's what Jesus teaches that's what he's trying to teach your disciples here oh there's lots of leaders there's lots of people who stand up and say we need to do this and 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 we need to do that and often they're saying you need to do this you need to do that the younger one to tell you I have a pet hate in Christian circles at the moment it's called the green room where they whisk the preacher away after he's preached so he doesn't sort of touch the undefiled which is you lot and so they whisk him away to the green room so he doesn't talk so he doesn't relate to people so he doesn't do that I made a thing at a conference down in Dublin once and the girl who was speaking we were at Bible college with went to talk to her afterwards but there were these people over and they were they wanted to get her into the green room but I wasn't important enough to go into the green room I knew that so I just carried on talking to the said because what they were trying to do was demonstrate this idea of leadership of being hierarchy of being authority of being position and yet we must understand in 2021 leadership in the church leadership as Christians is about servant hearts the night before Jesus goes to the cross he washes the disciples feet there's no one else to do it Jesus the greatest leader who ever lived he comes and he washes the disciples feet when we begin to read the stories of Jesus and see it through the eyes, the lens of the eyes of somebody who is not just there as a hierarchy or position of authority, but as a servant. He came to serve. We must come to serve. He influenced the world that he lived in, and that influence still carries through today. We must influence the world that we live in because we must not only live like Jesus, we must not only love like Jesus, but we must also lead like Jesus as well. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you to gathered in your house today. Thank you as we worship and we break bread. Father, we want to be a church that honors you and glorifies you in everything that we do in everything that we say but Father God as we come and we look at this particular theme really as we look at your son your son that came to be the ransom for many the one who came not to, 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 to be served but to serve Father let that be our example of influence Father let us not say that, that we don't have a voice in the world Father, you have given us a voice in our world, with our friends, with our family, with our neighbours. And Father, we ask, Father God, that you would help us to use our influence, even with just the next person, even with just the individuals that we come across. For Father, you have not called us to greatness, 
You have not called us to a lofty position. You have not called us to authority. You've called us to serve, to serve, to serve. But Father, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.